This is a Rooster Teeth production. In the summer of 1952, the skies above Washington, D.C. were brighter than normal, filled with unidentified flying objects. These UFOs sparked nationwide fear and curiosity as to whether or not extraterrestrial beings were paying them a visit. With hundreds of sightings reported that summer, the vast majority of them remain unsolved. So today, we're going to discuss the 1952 Washington, D.C. UFO incident. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another episode of Red Web, the podcast where we discuss cryptids, supernatural entities, the unsolved, conspiracies, true crime, and everything in between. I'm Trevor Collins, and joining me with his gut instinct and all those juicy questions, Alfredo Diaz. Do you think you'd ever fall in love with an alien? I think I could. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if their anatomy was very similar and it wasn't... It doesn't even have to accommodate my anatomy. Oh, interesting. You know? I've seen Shape of Water. True. There could be things hidden away in orifices that I don't know about. Oh. I'm willing to explore new horizons. I was, I was scratching the server. This like man's an going in. He just dove all <laughs> he, in on He that. dove all in. He, he lathered up and he was in. He, 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 um, he might have scratched into something. like maybe, maybe there's a reason why this guy wanted to be a rocket scientist. I wanted to explore the great beyond. Right. I, I don't think I'd be against if there was like just like no hazards or whatever. Yeah. And I actually had a connection. Okay. You got a, okay, now you got a great connection with this uh, with this alien, right? But then you find the sinister underbelly of what the is? whole thing. The aliens are actually trying to wipe us out. This particular alien, a total twist on the whole plot. They actually love you, right? But what do you do? Well, the bigger concern there is not getting wiped out mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. It's the two of you against the universe. But yeah, I'm down for it. Okay. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm really happy we're talking about this one because this is so apropos because right now this is a Washington, D.C. UFO incident. And right now, or at least in the last couple months and maybe even as far back as June of 2021, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, as they're now referred to, have been hyper-popularized, a lot of declassification going on, a lot of people coming forward and discussing their their studies, their kind of perspective on the whole UAP situation. Right. Uh, It's it's interesting. So my question is, Mm -hmm. where the hell are we landing on all that? Right? Because they essentially Mm -hmm. came out and they they were like, yeah, there are unidentified like personal aircrafts and stuff like that. Sure. Right? We got drones, you know, we've got a lot of things that fly now. We got... But I guess like they just came out and said that, yeah, there's some weird stuff. Not all of them we can explain. Right. And that's just... The way the cookie crumbles. That's science. This is weird, man. I don't, I, I don't like. You don't like just that in general? I, I don't, don't I'm, like I'm confused. Unknown. I'm confused. I feel like there's like, hey, could be. I think they're, they're warming us up. Like a first date, like the longest first date of all time to say, boom, they've been here since the 50s. Starting with this event. How would you feel? Um... I just don't want to be in the middle, right? Either we do mm-hmm. or we don't. Not the like, right? Right? If you just seem like, nope. Are they? Are they not? There's no. You know? Instead of just like, could be. Yeah. It's like what? <laughs> well, Wait, why is the government getting? Oh, we don't know. Prepare Maybe. to live in the could <laughs> I was be. Like, what? <laughs> Prepare to live in that could be. 
get cozied up with the maybe and the uncertainty because we're diving into the 1952 incident here in Washington, D.C. A lot of sightings went down in a two-night period. A lot of interesting theories as to what might have happened. Uh, But uh, let's just say the Air Force was immediately involved. And so we're going to walk through all of these sightings, at least the main ones, and go from there. And quick fun fact, apparently it is no longer called the UAP. It's already uh, moved on? already changed? It's uh, on November 23rd, 2021, the successor to the UAP okay. is now known as the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. Why do we have to make acronyms that... for acronyms and make them longer? Why does I, that sound... I, I tuned out as soon as I heard A-O and then I lost <laughs> the rest of the acronym. Why does it sound made up and what are the aliens synchronizing? Exactly. And I why is, why is the lizard out. people government changing this language to imprecise language. I think they're trying to obfuscate the truth. Look, that's not in the Wikipedia article. All right? oh, okay. I, I can't well, tell you case, all I'll those just... details. I just know it's A-O-I-M-S-G. A-O-I-M-S-G. Jesus. That's, well, with that said, let's dive in. Yeah, it's confusing. Truly, my ears tuned out when I heard the third word and I lost the acronym. I stopped. And as you can see, Christian's back. Thank you, everyone. I made through those yeah. five star reviews and yeah. hashtag save Christian, he's returned. Five star reviews. You know, I think what it really was too was that we have task force member Luis B. I'll just leave it at that. His last name B, uh, who has a uh, a gorgeous truck, totally decked out yeah. in task force, made a task force truck. It looks like, awesome. Like it's got act- the RW logo on it, dude. It's got the look de- at this it's got thing. The, it's got the decals on it and everything. Yeah, we retweeted it, so go check it out. Um, but. Holy crap. Thank you for, you know, right. putting the task force so, on your vehicle. What that tells me is that we need to expand uh, at least a couple garages in, mm. into the building because, yep. I mean, we've got to deck out the cars. People got to know when we're driving down the street, Red Web Task Force. Right. And they right. go, what? And we go, listen, on podcasts. Yeah, listen. Anywhere to you it. listen. Or else. That'll be its own mystery, what yeah. the else is. Um, and, and truly, though, thank you all for, for reviewing us on Spotify. You continue to blow us away. We're at 6,600 reviews now. Yeah, take which that is, jam face. Which is crazy. So thank you. But with all that is said, mm-hmm. asides and stories and goofs, let's talk about the 1952 incident. Because that night on July 19th, 1952, at around 11.40 p.m., Air traffic controller Edward Nugent at Washington National Airport was puzzled when he saw seven slow-moving objects as they appeared on his radar screens, just as little blips, somewhere towards the southwest. What stood out to him is that the fact that there were seven objects and they weren't following any known flight paths, so obviously he starts to become a little suspicious. Other air traffic controllers actually noticed this as well, going further than just radar. They noticed bright lights hovering in the distance that they said flew off at extreme speed. They checked, looked at the radars, and the radars themselves were working properly. And so uh, then their superior comes in to see what's going on, Harry Barnes. He confirms that he too had seen the strange crafts. 10 miles southeast of Maryland, radar operators at Andrews Air Force Base were also met by these very same, potentially same, strange flying objects. Now, when they were witnessed, they were tracked at being around 7,000 miles per hour, racing through the skies. As Andrew's controller described his sighting, uh, he, he used words like an orange ball of fire trailing a tail. What? So the last time we talked about an orange ball of fire was Skinwalker Ranch. And oh, so, yeah. Uh, because one of the theories there was that there was some sort of, uh, whether it be paranormal activity 
or extraterrestrial events, right? Just mm-hmm. something from beyond this planet coming and interacting with us in some way. That was definitely one of the theories. But the sightings don't stop there. This was a pretty prolific event because a commercial pilot simultaneously reported seeing six streaking bright lights from his cockpit on the runway, stating that they looked like, quote, falling stars without the tails. So now we have a bunch of very bright lights showing up not only on radar, showing up optically, but uh, from various reputable sources. So in my mind, there's there's a pro and a con to everything you've told me so far. Mm Mm-hmm. The con is, this is, what, 1950s, so not everyone has, like, a high-res camera in the back pocket. The pro is, that's, what, 70 years ago or so? So I'm kind of hoping that when we arrive to the theories that... It's almost exactly 70 years ago, actually, now that you say that. Oh, damn. July 19th, 1952, give or take a few weeks, yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that when we arrive to the theories, there's at least one theory that just talks about how, like... I don't know. It was some experimental craft that we have now today. or Right. Right. Like, it's been so long where, like, the technology has kind of, like, trickled down from, like, top secret military to, like, oh, it's kind of just something that we have now. And it's more public knowledge because Mm -hmm. it's older tech and we've got some more advanced, newer stuff. Right. Um, that we're hiding and this stuff doesn't matter. It's more obsolete. So this is kind of what it was. Right. Like when they declassified all these stealth aircraft, right? Yep. Like the B-2 and the SR-71, like all of these super high flying stealth aircraft. I'm sure that at least in some part, those were origin stories right. for many UFO sightings way back in the day. But as soon as those are declassified, you have to wonder, are mm, the incidents else? going to scale up because when whatever they they declassify you know that there's something there's deep something under else. that that they haven't yep. declassified they're like look hey we'll we'll declassify this tell you guys all this secret stuff but we won't tell you what the new new is right so it's all very interesting but what was uh interesting yet still and what kind of make i think this is what helps make this more curious is because yeah nowadays we might look back 70 years later and say well, maybe this was just classified situations right uh, experiments yeah. test flights what have you But the fact is the Air Force gets involved and this could be portions of the Air Force that aren't aware of these classified things, sure. But uh, at at some point, these objects appeared to be approaching the White House and the Capitol at large. Oh. Yeah. And uh, and so, of course, two F-94 interceptor jets were scrambled, sent out in order to take a closer look at whatever these things might have been. Yeah, because in in that case, it's less like whether or not it's aliens or like a test flight. I, I don't think that like the U.S. would be like, hey, we're going to have a test flight start flying towards mm-hmm. like the Capitol and whatnot. At that point, you go, okay, this is weird. I don't know what it is, but are we being attacked? Right. By like a foreign country. Could this be, I mean, there is uh, a, there's or, a whole other mystery with, right. with LA and like uh, that we, I don't know if we've talked about this before or if we will go into depth at some point in the future, but either way, there was like this whole thing with LA uh, and seeing aerial phenomenons and then just like firing off yeah. in the night trying to attack whatever this was because what yeah this is hell? around this is around the time period where um UFO sightings are heavily implicate the fact that is this another country coming in with True. their super advanced tech yeah. like so war is on the mind because of the history surrounding this date and we'll talk a little bit more about that but 
But yeah, what what was that incident? I I forget for some reason. It was like the battle for Los Angeles, Christian. I think something it's like called that. yeah, battle of L.A. or battle for L.A. I yeah. can't remember what? exactly. But. We haven't done a whole like deep dive into that because I'm not sure how much informa information there right. is. Right, there, there actually is. I actually um, dive into it. Maybe a mini mystery. But but yeah, we might we might discuss that in the future. But either yeah. way, battle of Los Angeles. Battle, battle of, of okay. Los Angeles. Um. But yeah, so some F-94 interceptors were scrambled and sent out, just a pair of them. These jets were using their radar screens as guides, but the blips strangely disappeared as the jets approached the objects. So, of course, they spiraled around the area to continue to look through the night to see if they could find whatever these objects were or whatever was causing these blips on the radar. But a lack of fuel eventually sent them back to base because, you know, you can't fly forever. Uh, and, but once the jets landed, the radar once again detected the blips. It's almost like it responded to their presence, went invisible in whatever form right. that means, whether it be radar invisibility or, you know, some sort of optic invisibility in some way. Uh, but yeah, but when they landed, they appeared again. Man, I'll be honest, uh, the, for something that's so mysterious like this and possibly threatening, I would have other jets up in the I would have a consistent stream of jets up in the air. You ride a fine line though, as as we'll find out pretty quickly, mm -hmm. between escalating something mundane to a fear level that is hard to control, right? If you scramble True. a bunch of jets around the capital, you you're kind People of begging start... for some problems. Also it's a cost thing, but True. So, so more of a light touch, let's just get some folks out there, see what's going on, and then I feel like if it disappeared, then reappeared. Right. If it disappeared and you landed, mm -hmm. sure, don't scramble the jets. But if it disappeared and the second that reappears, it's like, okay, something is like, mm -hmm. I don't know. That it's responding starts, to you, right? Exactly. Whatever's going down. That 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 screams a little bit of intelligence there. Yeah. In which I, I would be worried. Mm hmm. I wonder if there's a limitation to radar that makes it less precise or less accurate, or maybe more accurate the closer you get. Because as they approached, they disappeared. Mm -hmm. When they landed. All these other radar sources that are at somewhat of a distance pick it back up that's, that's something to think True. about um but yeah so once they landed the radar detected the blips once again air traffic believed the mysterious crafts might have been able to intercept and understand radio traffic basically uh as they approached they might have not only noticed the jets approaching but also heard their radio comms and went oop let's go stealth or let's disappear for a minute and then that was another theory that kind of popped up. By the morning, the strange lights were gone. However, this incident is not over. Uh, there, there were more the following night that I'll talk about. But before we get there, it's worth noting that this incident went unreported to Project Blue Book, which was the nation's first military intelligence unit dedicated to the investigation of UFO sightings led by Captain Edward Ruppelt, who we're going to talk about quite a bit. And this was at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base over in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, it is also worth mentioning that Project Blue Book was formerly referred to as Project Sign. So if you've ever heard of any of those, they're the same thing. See, there was enough mystery and confusion where the government had to create a whole division. Mm -hmm. so I feel like even the government was like, hold on now. Right. What, what's, what's, what's happening? What's mm -hmm. really going down? Like that's money, time, resources. Absolutely. Oh, man. It's it. I don't know if it's comforting to know that there's a validity to the question right. or if it's like worrisome because it means that there could be something that we fundamentally don't comprehend yet. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it, there's a lot of ways to take it, but um, Rupelt didn't find out about these incidents, by the way, until he read about it in the news reports the following morning. Uh, so that was interesting because, again, this wasn't reported to the, to him over at like th th that's his whole focus blue book. is specifically Project this stuff. But this went unreported. So he found out himself and he starts poking around. He tries to travel to Washington National Airport and to Andrews Air Force Base in order to interview radar operators and air traffic controllers, everybody who might have seen this thing, in order to get to the bottom of this. He's like, if you're not going to come to me, Weird. I might as well come to you. Uh, but he was denied travel accommodations. So Rupelt flew back to Ohio with no information regarding the strange event. But isn't that what... At this point, the division is already established. Mm -hmm. He's head of the, of the division, right? Mm -hmm. or does the government just go, I don't know, we don't take it seriously? I, I don't know. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of like the whole purpose of the division. Right. right. And I feel like at that point, it's like, okay, we're spending time and resources on this. You're just not going to send them, so you're just going to keep burning. Like have At that point, you kind of make the division useless. Yeah. Right. It's it's almost like if the police were on a crime scene, but then the feds show up and they're like, all right, this is our crime scene. Right. But then, like, for some reason, the Secret Service shows up and they're like, this is our crime scene. <laughs> and then it's just a bunch of captains coming in and taking over. I I don't know, but it, but it does raise some eyebrows. That's right. all I'll say about that. So moving on to the next night uh, of sightings, and it is worth mentioning, I do want to clarify, in retrospect, it wasn't the next night after these events went down. It was about a week later. Uh, so... There we go. A week later, Saturday, July 26, around 8.15 p.m. is when this new set of incidents kicked off. There was a pilot and a flight attendant that spotted similar objects to the first incident from their plane. Radars at Washington National Airport detected multiple objects which moved erratically. So immediately we're on familiar footing. Sometimes they traveled extremely fast before stopping and suddenly moving again in a different direction, which is very typical of UAP, UFO, N A double Q right. Batman There's symbol synthetic something or synchronization national objects of yeah. aerial uh, existence Why? and Why experiment A O I M S G Jesus N A I A O I M S G Aoli um, so either way uh, th this is very typical of aerial phenomenon that uh, people see it moving very fast might stop on a dime and then dart off to the Got other way it. so this is very much in line with the Iron Man effect. The Iron Man effect. <laughs> Absolutely. But this time, Rupelt received a call from news reporters that night. So it might not be official lines of communication, but at least he's getting awareness the night of. So news reporters are reaching out to him and letting him know. Rupelt was not about to miss his chance once more, so he immediately called two Air Force colleagues in order to scope out the situation. Once again, they sent out two jets to chase down these objects, and this time they were actually able to see the lights while in flight. So before they were going by radar, this time they could actually see it and they could chase them down in that way. Pilot William Patterson tried to chase the lights and claimed, quote, I tried to make contact with the bogies below a thousand feet. I saw several bright lights. I was at maximum speed, but even then I had no closing speed. I ceased chasing them because I saw no chance of overtaking them. Basically saying that no matter how fast he pushed this jet, there was no way he was closing the gap. So this is some sort Damn. of strange thing. Right. So even if it's not like, well, first off, then it's not a chopper in my mind. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, lots of mobility, but they're not that fast. 
I mean, who knows? There could be some advanced technology that we don't even know of um, that the government has. But yeah, in my, my mind, like with the directions cutting around, I'm like, oh, kind of like maybe a helicopter, but that, that scratches that off the list. It have to be very lightweight and it would have to have a huge thrust to weight ratio to really punch that thing around. Yeah. But even then you got to think, well, how, what are the G-forces like right. in the craft yeah. for whatever entity, or perhaps even in the 50s, maybe non-entities that might be this could be a drone sort of situation right like, did it say anything thing, about like how large it could be that i mean yeah i guess you could look at the radar cross section and try to intuit maybe a size christian i don't know if we have that information um yeah that'd probably be a tough to track down because if it's fairly small or right for a, at least a craft it's like well how are they punching it for that like that fast that long with yeah. like you can only carry so much fuel mm -hmm. right and i'm assuming that's what if it was man-made that's what they would be using to propel this thing it's right. just burning fuel or some sort of once again question mark classified right you know high efficiency nuclear fission sort of situation exactly but what's interesting when it comes to pilot william patterson is that he sees these lights, he's about to give up chase because he's not making headway, and suddenly, the lights then surround Patterson's plane. He tries to then come back to air traffic control saying, hey, what should I do? I'm being surrounded by the bogey, they're really close to me now, but no one answered him. He wasn't getting anything in return, almost like his comms were stifled or blocked in some way. That is terrifying. Very. You have a question mark sort of entity close to your aircraft, that people have been seeing and trying to chase down, you are at the whim of essentially what could amount to a god, right? I mean, you don't know what abilities they have. That's really what it is. It's the, like, you have no control. Mm -hmm. The next move really isn't up to you. Right. And, like, yep. I wouldn't fire first. Oh, God, you, no. You, who knows what you could spark? Right. Do you think you dump some flares, or do you think you just keep I flying? Wouldn't, do you I wouldn't think even you touch that. I mean, gentle have, turn back to base. Like, like it, even if it wasn't, like, I mean, I mean, damn, like humans misinterpret other humans' actions, right? Oh God, yeah. what, what, what are the like? You're gonna expect <laughs> yeah. like possible like alien life forms to <laughs> interpret you, flares as? Well, how would you communicate? Let's just say you want to make peace with this entity that's flying around your cockpit, right? I would go with the tried and true uh, base of all societies, all intelligent life, geometry. I might draw a circle and hold it up and be like, and, and, I, and, and you then know, they're like, weird. I hold it up because what? Thumb, thumbs up, smiles. That's not going to convey anything. Right. But in that creature's language, it could be like, this, this man smiling, saying war at us. He just, what, what, if, what, if he, what if I just smiled and drew their, their version of the Starbucks logo, essentially? Like, whoa, this guy knows the mean bean. <laughs> this guy can serve us. I don't, who knows, right? Because language, like different words in different languages mean different things. Yeah, that's like, true. You, you could, that could be a major insult. It's just a gamble. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then guess what? You started the like total decimation of the human race. Ooh, no, I don't take the blame. Because, yeah? I, no, I, yeah. I just don't do that. They just I, took off and all of a sudden, me. like, hellfire from the sky. Yeah. It was yeah, like, the, it was the, like nah, nah, it couldn't have been. There was the, some other the thing that happened. The orange light goes to a furious red and speeds off towards right. the capital, and you go, could have been anybody. <laughs> right. All because this man drew a circle <laughs> yeah, and started know? smiling. 
Oh man, I, I don't know. I, I've I've yeah, really so enjoyed the the thought experiment of what, how do you communicate with an interplanetary entity? Yeah, I, like what is the action there? I I, like I think you, plane... I think you genuinely speak with base ideas like math, and you don't use numbers, right? You just use like objects, right? So you use tally marks because you can just in whatever language or concepts they have, they can see an amount. Yeah, and you can use like a math equation to essentially convey a few things and then once you lay the groundwork of math you can then start to convey that into like geometry and then you could start right. speaking through like physical objects in that sense see you you're you're approaching it from a very smart sense of trying to communicate yeah well, what, what I, would I think you do? for me if i wasn't in the plane if i was in the plane i haven't quite wrapped my head around that yet but if i wasn't in the plane i feel like i would emote in the sense of like maybe just sticking out my limbs, right? Because I feel like if anything, like even if you don't understand a creature, just by looking what it's physically doing, you can right. kind of understand of like, this is like aggressive, this is non-aggressive, right. or at least you can just go, okay, I can see all of this like being all of this creature. And so at least I have a sense of what I'm looking at here. Right. Instead of like hands in pockets or hands wrapped or anything. It's like, I don't know, some tentacles going to come out or some weapon or whatever. But if just like, I don't know, maybe just going into a starfish position. And going to a starfish. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want from me, Christian? You get fully a, nude, you idea. get in the starfish, you spin right. around slowly, and then they laser you instantly because they're hostile. Well, see, here's the thing. You could have negotiated better if you drew a circle. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is that probably if they... If they're going to shoot me for starfishing, all you're doing is buying yourself time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I bought you five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some light year. Um, but yeah, uh, very, very interesting stuff. Patterson, I can't imagine uh, what's going through his mind other I, than just fear, right. uncertainty. I, be fear. You know, yeah. I actually want to know, and uh, I want the task force to, to hit us up mm. on Twitter. I want to know, like, how, what would be your first approach? If you Ooh, yeah. like, if, if like aliens just boom, they're right in front of you. Let's tap the alien division. We're, let's let's yeah. make contact. What are you yeah. thinking, Task Force? Let us know right. at Red Web Pod. And if you're not, if you're in the filing division, you know all the important documents. But you know this isn't. We're not asking you to rally up. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say we have a very healthy filing department. <laughs> we a lot do. Of people <laughs> shuffling a lot of papers. They, most and of them they, blank, they get to but hey, they love it. They they most of them blank. A lot of redacted stuff, but mm -hmm. they know a lot of important things that the uh, alien division doesn't. Yeah. That being said, standard, there are historians. Standard lane. Okay. Right, right. There's so many requests for that. Look, we are an uh, ever flowing uh, company, the task force. Right. But it's getting out of hand. People are trying to flow into every department. Right. Like, look, don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to establish, task force, what division you're in. And don't make eye contact with the alien contact division. Yeah. They're they're deep in it. <laughs> they're, they're, you don't know what you might experience. You, you lock eyes with a, with one of the folks in the alien division. Whew. Dude, let's just, just say I warned you. I just imagine like a giant glass cube with like desks inside. Uh -huh. And just a lot of geometry and starfishing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an office in Westworld. Yeah. For some reason, they want to make sure everyone sees what they're doing. And most of the for time, some reason. Most of the time, they're naked and starfishing. Starfishing. Like, Does this work? Does this and work? they're just like, eh? And Jeffrey's like, yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's talk about the response because obviously with no information gained at large, just a lot of sightings, a lot of out-of-hand storytelling, 
Um, Rupelts and his colleagues had a lot of damage control to handle because the media, as you well know, especially these days with information flying off the handles, yep. uh, they were going to try to sell some papers. Okay, They're going to get some strong headlines. Right. In fact, uh, a lot of people, this, th- these UFO sightings in July became known as the Washington Flap or the Big Flap. Why? There's been... I don't understand. It's a light. Where's the flap come in? Birds fly. Birds flap. I, I, we just threw a Did big we, old question to Chris. Right. So, really, you were calling this before. the big bird? <laughs> hey, I like that. I genuinely hadn't heard this piece of information before, though. The so big flap. Yeah. I'm sure it's just like a generational language gap. Uh, true. Um, but while Christian looks into that to see if there's anything uh, behind it, uh, it is where I do want to go over some of the actual headlines that one might okay. have experienced waking up the next morning. Right. Regular citizen drinking your Joe, you know. Paperboy just slammed my door with a newspaper. Right. Yep. So you, you unfurl your, your delicate paper and it says at the top, quote, saucers swarm over capital. And there's another headline out there. Jets chase DC sky ghosts. Really cool stuff. That's pretty cool. But for a, a, an individual in the 50s, waking up to something like that's a little unnerving. Right, because you'd think that maybe there's just like war happening. Or, well, yeah, or well, let's, let's contextualize this for, right. for, for everybody because, I mean, not only is this close to some of the great wars in history, I don't mean great as in positive, I mean tremendous, like enormous, terrible wars. Uh, but also, on top of that, you have the Red Scare. And I'm talking about from the American standpoint now. You have the Red Scare and Cold War anxieties in flare. Um, and so, really, these headlines caused nothing but panic and chaos as the civilians kind of reacted to these for the first time. Right. You're probably going, what technology does, does this other country have that's right. gonna, that, that they're this, trying to attack us right. with? Are we about to enter yet another unimaginable sort of engagement? Or is there interplanetary engagement now? Like... What is going on? Right. It's just, it's a terrifying question, truly. And president of the time, Harry Truman, tried to ease everyone's nerves by speaking with Ruppelt to determine if UFOs posed a national security threat. Ruppelt told him that the radars may have been picking up signs of temperature inversions, but more investigation was needed to fully explain it. So essentially, he's trying to communicate through the president, hey, there are some more mundane answers going on here. Not everything has to be fantastical. Not everything has to be dangerous. So don't worry. It's going to be okay. We're, we're researching this. Uh, fun fact, one of the definitions for the word flap is a state of excitement or agitation or something oh. that generates an uproar. That makes so sense. I, yeah, like, I, I didn't like see if somebody's unflappable, they're yeah. stoic, you know? Yeah. So I didn't see anything that confirmed it, but it just kind of connecting the dots. Got it. I I'm thinking flap, flap was commonly like used in, yeah. that, in that regard. Oh, that makes okay. sense. I'm pretty flappable. Did not know that. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay, that makes sense because it is, it's not only just localized Washington, but it is like the big freak out essentially. Yeah. Um, now, while Truman and Ruppelt were trying to come to a sensible conclusion and were researching it, on the other end of the table, you have the U.S. Air Force taking it upon themselves to do something similar, call press conferences and, and start discussing what might be going on. In fact, this conference gave the press the opportunity to ask questions about the equipment used by the Air Force, different animals or objects that could potentially be mistaken for UFOs, uh, potential weather implications, and just generally address any other major concerns out there that could possibly answer this, such as something as dark as possible missile threats. Um, True. 
I mean, you're not going to try and jump to like aliens. You're going to try and make sense of it. You're going to try and ground it. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, I mean, you look, here's the thing. An alien could literally show up right in front of us as we're recording right now. Who the hell's going to believe us? I believe us. And that's all I need. <laughs> that's probably not. The <laughs> I need more than that. I'll, I'll be honest. Our, uh, our beliefs and trust department. It's crickets in there. Yeah. Truly, there's uh... crickets all over the place. There's not a, a soul to be seen. Um, we got to get in on that. Just one person making out. phone calls and no one's believing us. Right. <laughs> making unsolicited phone calls. But with regards to the Air Force, you have Air Force Major General John Samford, who stepped forward to claim that not only pilots, but the rest of society at large must have been seeing friendly aircraft, stars, meteors, or some other perfectly explicable, ex explainable, 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 perfectly understood <laughs> <laughs> astronomical phenomenon. Leave it all in. Ca uh, caused by things such as temperature inversion. He's basically saying, yes, there, there must be some sort of reasonable explanation to this. Um, look no further. Ask no questions. He also addressed many reports that were ruled out as hoaxes because a lot of people kind of got in on the hype saying, I saw yada, 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 and Man, built on it. I don't want to be the person trying to shuffle through. I think I've discussed this before, trying mm -hmm. to shuffle through all this stuff, right? Oh, God, it's not an enviable spot. As right. interesting as these topics sound and you're like, yeah, I want to be the person going through all the classified mm -hmm. docs. I'm sure it's a lot of like right. just... Going through stories that you like, oh, I know this is just exactly exaggerated, but, but I have to investigate. You have to investigate it. And I feel like you, that person is making a list, right? Mm -hmm. Credible. Checking it Non-credible. Right. Hand in a box of coal next to them. Um, and then like the maybes. Mm -hmm. And they're just shuffling a bunch of stuff into the maybes. Right, right. I mean, it's already like a really interesting scenario to begin with, let alone people clouding all of these sort of anecdotal experiences with just made up stuff. So either way, though, it is worth mentioning that the Air Force was staying very diligently on top of this, working to file away all of the reports and sightings, classifying some, debunking others, etc. Sanford insisted there were no signs of danger to the U.S. and there were no noticeable patterns that would allude to malicious behavior. So this went, I think, a long way to calming the general populace. Their plan to avert concern proved to work as newspapers changed their headlines to fit the Air Force's explanation, and people stopped asking as many questions and stopped making leaps of logic and, and, and assuming the worst, right? So once you start to kind of fill the gaps with answers and fact-based theories, it starts to really, like, pull down how wild these theories can, can So get. the government got away with it. They, they saw the lights, tracked it down, bagged it, tagged it, and then told everyone that, hey, nothing to see here. And then we're going to find out you know, right. sometime nothing in this whole here. UAP hearings situation that uh, there's just a little little alien named Gertrude kicking around. Right. And this was her. But again, tell me yes or no on Gertrude, right? Go ahead, yeah. Hey, government, you got an alien named Gertrude? No, definitely not. How'd you know that name? I mean, no. Right. I wish that that's all we got. <laughs> and then I was like, that's a definite yes, right? Yeah. But instead we're getting like, possibly. Right. We're getting crumbs with right. a lot of crumbs redacted. <laughs> well, look, maybe there's things we can't explain. 
It's like, what? <laughs> Listen, like, is everyone yeah, yeah, just yeah. cool with this? Point of question. <laughs> are there aliens and are UFOs uh, craft or are they just phenomenon? These are very good questions you're asking. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. I just, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we're just all desensitized to this stuff. I feel like we should be, I don't know. This, this podcast is making me crazy. Yeah. Well, either way, let's come back to how the Air Force and, and uh, everybody like in, in the news networks at the time kind of did qualm sort of claims because Ruppelt reported that after this press conference with the Air Force, UFO sightings dropped from 50 a day to 10. So we had a dramatic decrease. And I also think that this is a good example. I always like to go back to the Mothman episode where we, as one of our theories, discussed the idea of mass hysteria, where as soon as something very interesting, in fact, potentially otherworldly shows up, people start going, oh, I also saw something of that nature, right? Which then kind of steals some credibility to whatever might have originated in the first place. Right. Because, like, if 40 sightings a day can disappear just because of headlines shifting, it really draws into question how many of these sightings are based on actual sightings and how many are based on just being part of something. Yeah, that know. sucks. Because it's already a mystery in its own. And then you have to, like, swim through all the BS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hello, Task Force. This is the opportunity, as always, every week, I get to sit down with you and just talk about some stuff that's going on in Red Web. This week, I want to remind you that we had Red Web Premium. No matter where you listen to us, you can get Red Web Premium by going to redwebpod.com. What do you get, you ask me? Don't worry, I've got you covered. You get the episode 24 hours early. That's one whole day. Uh, but you also get it ad-free. So yes, yes, I'm sorry. You won't get to hear these times where I get to sit down. Uncle Trevor comes over and tells you about what's going on with Red Web. But hey, you get to listen ad-free and you support the show directly and I know you're asking, all right, I love all of that. How much is it going to be? $2.99 a month. You get that on Apple, Spotify, Google, literally anywhere you listen to it. Again, that's redwebpod.com in order to support the show. But if you also want to support Above and Beyond, we have that merch, as always, store.roosterteeth.com. We also have the first membership over on the Rooster Teeth app, which is about $5.99 a month. You also get the ad-free experience. You still get the podcast 24 hours early, but you get exclusive shows of all sorts and shapes and sizes, including my very own Survive Block Island. It's basically Survivor in Minecraft with a bunch of my friends, and it's awesome. It was so well-produced because we had an amazing team behind it that took my vision and really made it into something special. So again, there's a couple different ways you could support the show, whether it be first memberships or premium memberships or by free just listening you're listening it helps boost us in the algorithm if you support us by giving us that five-star review spending 30 seconds of your time to do so that really helps us too because those are great to lean on we can point to the task force how awesome you have been and there are a lot of other conversations behind the scenes going on with how red web can grow and expand in the future and those reviews are great to point to to say hey mr executive check that out we got the task force but with that said, let's talk about some of our fantastic sponsors for today's episode. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and 
affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Choose from more than 55 weekly options featuring pre-proportioned high-quality ingredients picked at peak ripeness. HelloFresh delivers fresh, quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week, so it's all nice and fresh. You also don't have the stress of going to the grocery store. I personally hate that. Uh, But yeah, you can savor some summer flavors right now from home. HelloFresh has those foolproof step-by-step recipes, meaning you get that joyful cooking experience with the addition of having a stress-free summer. Plus, HelloFresh cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in around 30 or so minutes, sometimes less. That way you get in and you get out, you get your dinner, and maybe some leftovers for lunch. That's what I like to do. Uh, I've used HelloFresh before. I get the food right to my door. Again, I hate I personally, I just, one of my, oh, I hate going to the grocery store. It's stressful. I got to balance a laundry list of crap. I got to go uh, to the counter. Deep, beep, deep, beep, deep, beep. And then I got to bag it myself too. I'm, I'm too high strung to be bagging things like a puzzle. I just can't handle it. It's too stressful for me. So truly, HelloFresh makes it really nice and easy. And I also like kind of keep their recipes. So that way I feel like I know what I'm doing in the kitchen because I'm a terrible cook. But now I'm not, hopefully. So go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb16, that's one six there at the end of that, and you can use our code RedWeb16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb16, use our code RedWeb16, and you will get 16 free meals as well as three free gifts. This episode of RedWeb is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Task Force, let me ask you a question. How well would you take care of your car If you had to keep that very same car for your entire life, just think about it. Because that's how our brains work, so why don't we treat them that same way? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support brain health, uh, like learning a new language or taking power naps, eating good food, all that good stuff. But there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. I really enjoy their website because when you go there, you know immediately you go through their easy quiz to filter it down so they can hone in specifically on your needs, what you're going through in life, and what they can do to help you with your specific needs. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. I know I would be bashful and shy. I'm not really into that sort of thing. I keep my webcam off. But it's also much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Task Force, you will get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash redweb if you choose to do so. That's betterhelp.com slash redweb. And with that said, let's dive right back into the mystery. So as we kind of come to a conclusion on these two separate nights of sightings, um, and and as the general populace kind of calms down, most people seem to subscribe to the temperature inversion theory. It seemed to answer, it seemed to be the most viable as far as the public's opinion is concerned. Of course, as always, there were many people still out there just going, well, I think the government's covering something up. We think that this is a cop-out answer, and I feel like that will be the state, like, I feel like that will always be present in humankind. We're curious folks, but we're also cynical. Yeah, but I mean, look, here's the thing. You don't got to be like super into mysteries. The government's covering stuff up, period. And I think there's good reason for some of it. So you don't end up with wild mass hysteria on things that aren't fully known yet by the people investigating them. But I bet they have a bunch of different departments that are just covering things up. 
Yeah, that but they're not remodeling and tearing down and building up repeatedly like we are. No, uh, we are funding the construction business. Right, right, right. <laughs> They've got boring departments. Right. We, we're constantly tearing down and uplifting departments. Oh, yeah. Um, my mind kind of wanders a little bit here. There's got to be a department that just sucks to work at because it's probably like one of those apartments where just like I don't even you remember how we talk about um there's probably just rogue scientists everywhere trying to build stuff mm -hmm. there's probably like a department that is constantly trying to track that down and snuffing like these potential threats out and that's got to be stressful as hell like you're you're the buff scientist on the front line yeah nullifying these wild stories before they go crazy or or just like trying to I don't know. There's probably a department out there, right? They're just like, okay, any wild scientist trying to create this bioweapon or oh, island of Dr. Moreau type stuff. And like, that is their job. That is the department that like right. gets a whiff of this stuff or tracks the stuff down. What are all these like weird chemical purchases? And they track it down. Oh, God. That, that department, it's got to suck to be in. Yeah. And you're thankless too, because you're silently right. tucked away, classified, saving the world. Hopefully, right? Oh. And a couple interesting notes here before we move on to some of the theories attempting to answer what was going on here. Um, Rupelt himself said that, publicly even, that temperature inversions were a pretty well-documented radar anomaly. So this wasn't made up. This wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's just pull this one out of the hat. No, it, it makes sense, uh, given the context. But he also said that what happened in Washington, D.C., in his opinion, was not caused by such weather events. Another interesting thing is that he wasn't made aware of the press conference that the Air Force had scheduled until after. So this poor guy is getting cut out left and right. I'm telling you, man, is this, this a department being... of one? <laughs> That's a good question. Was it a department of one or was it a guy in Dayton, Ohio, who thought he had a department? It's true. <laughs> right. Uh, he's like, you guys got to let me know this stuff. They're like, who pelts back again? What are we going to do this time? I don't know. Send them back. back. <laughs> he just like, shows up on the scene. No one just, no one thought to call me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone somewhere like said, sure, sure. You can call yourself Project Blue Book. I don't right, care. Exactly. And that that's went, what it, dude, that's what it sounds like. And they're like, <laughs> dude, that's what you're making they're like President like. Truman, what, come on. Why'd you do that? Now we got to live yeah. with this guy coming back and forth. But truly though, um, Project Blue Book, very interesting. It is worth mentioning, though, they were discontinued in, drumroll, 1969, which, ooh, my tinfoil is strapped on tight for this one. Um, but they released their final report in 1969 stating that no UFOs had ever been a national security threat and there was no evidence of any extraterrestrial sightings in nature or advanced technology. Sure, sure, sure. It also happens to coincide. Again, my tinfoil yep. is squeezing my temples. It also happens to coincide with the first moon landing, which that in and of itself was riddled, riddled with uh, UAP reports from the astronauts themselves. Astronauts all over. There are, you can look these up if you'd like. Maybe that's a, an episode in the making, but like astronauts themselves have reported seeing things, tracking them, following them. And I believe as Apollo 11 approached the surface, they saw something that was kind of tracking along with them. And then there's uh, there's also, I mean, and we discussed, for example, moon monoliths in a in a oh we did in our previous episode on space oriented theories where I think we did three space theories there. But you know, there's a lot to kind of dig into with that. Did we land on the moon? Figure something out that we kind of didn't want to go broad, and so we 
shut down everything that would have investigated that sort but of why, stuff. Like, if we have astronauts reporting this stuff, mm-hmm. man, aliens exist. Or um, just some type of, like, life form other than human. I feel like we almost have to do a whole episode on the... What's it called? It's like, they're up there. The they're Fermi s- paradox. They're, they're seeing stuff. They're doing stuff. Like, I... <laughs> I already believe that like we're not the only intelligent life form out there, but like I don't know, right? And you, I mean, for example, you're you're talking about like these balls and flares. It was well documented. What was it called? It was the temperature. Oh, temperature inversions, like a climate. Right. And shift. you said well documented. Mm-hmm. And so for us to be like, we don't know what this is. I don't know. Sounds to me it was well documented. Right. Well, that's also Rupelt himself saying it. But I mean, I personally don't know anything about temperature inversions. With that said, let's move on to the theories, because the first one is that of temperature inversion. Also, like kind of slash heat mirages. Heat mirage kind of being, you ever see like a movie in the desert and you see like the truck cresting the horizon, but it's all wavy. But is it that bright one and two, I don't know, like heat mirage at like eight at night? I don't know. I mean, just because it's night doesn't mean it can't be hot. Oh, no, for sure. there's also, like, ball lightning, which... But, like, the reflection... Like, what is the... What light's reflecting on it that's creating a ball effect? Yeah, that's... I don't know. That's a very interesting question. Huh. Especially since it seemed like it was running from him and then came to him. Right. Like, around him. The movement's so So, sporadic. Yeah. Yep, precise. So let me take you back now before the second sighting. This is after the first, so we have some of the context of those stories. The operators in the D.C. area were noticing the same blips on their radar as prior sightings. And then this is where the hypothesis comes through that these must be extreme temperature inversions. Uh, Temperature inversions are very common in the D.C. swampy climate area. Despite it being very developed, by the way, it is worth knowing originally D.C. was a very swampy, wet area gross yeah um still kind of is but i'm pa um (laughs) (laughs) but uh, especially during the summer when you got like a lot of heavy moisture a lot of heat all that sort of stuff so let's talk about these temperature inversions that we're all very curious about it's essentially when a layer of warm moist air forms in the low atmosphere trapping cooler air below it and then interacts those two kind of temperature zones interact Radar signals can bounce off this layer of air and cause radars to show ground-level objects as if they were in the sky. That's how this is working. Quick off the top of my mind is like still something moving at 7,000 miles per hour to me could be essentially, okay, let's just imagine temperature inversions in play. Something on the ground is being reported through radar up at atmospheric levels and by the way of these two temperature zones colliding, uh, let's imagine there's like a spiral formed by these two temperatures colliding. And whether it be jet streams or just whatever, this little spiral, this little temperature inversion area is being squeezed and pushed through. So not only is it, refle- I don't know if this makes sense, reflecting an object off the ground into the atmosphere that is maybe static, but it feels like it's moving because the the air front is moving. Does that make sense? It I does. Don't, I'm not a, this is literally out of my depth. I'm not a meteorologist. No, but I mean, it, it, what I'm you're trying, trying to figure ex- out, like that 7,000 right. mile fr- like I mean, what you're saying does make sense. It just, you think it would, by that explanation, be 
go with the airflow, the current, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, there's talks about like the way this thing moved and how it's sat stationary. And so it's just, if it constantly moved, sure. But like multiple lights showing up surrounding an aircraft, if that's believed to be true, just like that's. Yeah. That's that really Again, is the always, wrinkle here. Yeah, that, yeah. The movement, I think, is the wrinkle for me. The way it moves. Yeah, because or I don't supposedly. think I don't think any jetties get that fast, seven thousand miles an hour. No, it's I don't even insane. think the addition of speeds. Let's just again maybe make my kind of extreme hypothesis and maybe misunderstanding of this whole thing. Like, imagine a car is going hundred miles an hour. It, for some reason, due to temperature inversions, is being read as being at altitude, and that thing is moving at like six hundred miles an hour. Even still, that's only one-tenth if you added those speeds yep. and they happen to be in the opposite direction. So the fact that they're reading it at 7,000 miles an hour is very interesting. But to your point, I mean, people are actually seeing something. Um, yeah. That doesn't really... You, you don't really see temperature inversions. No. Um, so, but then there's also uh, apparently some other pilots saw them on radar but didn't see them in person. Um, it's, really, it's really hard to say. Like, were the people that... We're seeing lights in the sky. Were they part of the kind of hyperbolic anecdotes where they're like, it's a little bit more exaggerative. Maybe the only true anecdotes were the ones that saw it on radar. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the trust comes in the people in their stories at right. this point. But either way, the biggest wrinkle in this particular theory comes from radar expert, Lieutenant John Holcomb, who was sent to the National Control Tower during the second incident, during the second incident. And he insisted that these were physical objects that were appearing on radar. And I would imagine, being a radar expert, that he would be very informed as to what a temperature inversion would look like as read on radar. And he was insisting that these must be something actually in the air. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to like, uh, now that I have a better understanding of temperature inversion, I feel like this is something that they're completely aware of that is well documented because it's probably, it's probably popped up sporadically for years and decades all over radars uh, like all over radar systems so mm -hmm. at that point you go you kind of like document it you kind of figure out like okay that's temperature inversion like we've seen this before we know kind of like the patterns movements etc and so to have a bunch of people freaking out just going what is this yeah i feel like i i don't know man uh it's hard to apply that along with the movement yeah one thing i like about these kind of episodes especially is not only learning a little bit of something new and then applying our kind of pragmatism to it to see, you know, whatever. But like, I would imagine, this is just guesswork now, uh, that if there was a temperature inversion showing up on radar, that it wouldn't be a consistent object and it wouldn't last for very long. That it would probably be a weaker signal that might just fade in and fade out. It could right. fade in and fade out and show multiple blips, but yep. it wouldn't be a consistent static item moving responding to the presence and absence of a jet highly trackable highly trackable creating then lights it's it hmm i i appreciate learning about temperature inversions but i don't know if it's i don't know if it applies yeah, here i'm not sold on it this next theory is similarly simple and tries to address it with natural means and it's that this was a meteor shower the result of perhaps a large meteor shower as meteors enter the atmosphere they burn they glow, they create perhaps the lights that people were seeing uh, because the description that, that we're seeing, orange fireballs essentially, yeah. resemble very much uh, that of a lot of meteors since they were also bright fiery balls falling in the, in the sky. But, and I think you're going to say it, go for it. 
What's the wrinkle with this one, do you think? I think for me, it's just like, wasn't this the same area? It's the same area, which is fair. I mean, like, sometimes if there's a cluster, right. they, can, they can... But, like, I know nothing. Again, as someone that knows nothing, it's just, I'm just the one that asks questions here. Is it common for a meteor shower to happen in an area and then a week later happen again? Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, it's not like meteor showers are... I mean, some are predictable, right? Like... An asteroid comes by every 10 years and like you'll get some like right. showers or you can predict them coming because you'll see some sort of event in the solar system and you see them coming. Um, meteor showers being a week apart is is really not abnormal um, because if something was flying by, it could leave a huge dust cloud, which all of that could interact. Um, it is a little strange for how localized it was for it to only be in this area a week apart. Um, but just given the universe's size, it's not... It's, it might be rare, but it's not impossible right. for two yeah, discrete yeah. events to happen in the same spot and be unrelated a week late, a week apart. That's... But the wrinkle I figured you would you jump on this uh, is the fact that if these objects are moving, stopping, changing direction, and moving relatively erratically, that's not something you would see with a meteor entering the atmosphere. There was also a lot of people saying that they didn't see the tail, that fiery tail. It's true, star um, without a tail. Right. Um, and, and yeah, perhaps uh, a meteor could come in, explode, send pieces out. But it would, it would be, I would be hard pressed to say that that would look like an item flying through the air, stopping and turning on a dime. Um, but also, it's going to shoot across and then like either uh, like shoot across and then like lose elevation. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's, it's also like, it's gonna shoot across, and then gravity's gonna take control, and then bring it down. You're not gonna have time to scramble the jets, get up there, and start looking around and mm -hmm. seeing it. Like it's just gonna go and then fall again. Especially if Pilot Patterson's like, "Uh, we got a problem. They're, right. they're right off my wing. They're coming around here. They're, they're knocking just, on my window with their little fingers. Right. They're just hanging out. Yeah. So with regards to these particular meteors, or the theory of it being meteors. Air Force Master Sergeant Charles E. Cummings, who saw the lights, had this to say, quote, These lights did not have the characteristics of shooting stars. There were no trails. They traveled faster than any shooting star I'd ever seen. So even again, once again, we have somebody who is familiar with such sightings and actually saw these things coming forward and saying, I don't think so. I don't really think that that's what's going on here. But those are two practical answers that attempt to... Uh, to answer what's going on. Otherwise, you're left with a pretty popular theory that many subscribe to that the government was hiding what went down and perhaps even further still is hiding alien life. A lot of people believe this because they thought that the government was too dismissive of what went down that night. That some of the answers that they purported or that they proposed with regards to the lights made no sense. Meteor showers, temperature inversions didn't really perfectly fit what the witnesses saw over DC, as we've kind of described. And it didn't seem like the government was taking any investigation seriously. And I think that that was further highlighted by Rupelt himself not being informed as to any decision, no. any sighting at all. He was only told by the news. I mean, it literally said... So, I mean, like, one of the popular th reasons why people were, well, hold on, you scrambled Air Force pilots, yeah. and to your exact point, they're like, why would you send them out to go chasing meteors that would, A, either be pulled down by gravity already, 
mm-hmm. by the time of getting there, or B, be burnt up in the atmosphere by then. Yep. And then on top of that, as we kind of talked about on the first theory, temperature inversions are invisible to the, to the eye. So again, it draws... So you either believe that everyone who saw a light is lying or seeing something that isn't there, that they're, you know, in some way... Right. I'm sure the having, majority are, because they just want in on the hype. Yeah. But like pilots, military personnel... Radio, like radio personnel. ...ranks, you know. It, it's just hard. It, it, that's where Occam's razor comes in. What makes more sense, that everyone is lying or that there was something in the air that night? Uh, that made a a visual impact yeah again with like a lot of like things in the air it's it's the movements that really get me yeah and then again you know like as much as i want to believe the pilot with the lights coming over to him and surrounding his craft you know any of these eyewitness testimonies could be just exaggerated exaggerated maybe just like hey maybe i get famous off of that and Maybe this uh, will make me famous, give me credibility or something Mm -hmm. like that, or make me money. So the public themselves, you know, were very interested in the concept of UFOs. And there had been many sightings across the United States leading up to this, not only in the years prior, but in the months prior. So this was heavy on people's minds. And so a lot of people, it stood to reason that the government would want to once again qualm the chaos and, uh, and so that's where a lot of people go, yeah, we think it's the government. We th- we don't know exactly what it is, but we think you're covering something right. up. I, I would think that they're covering something up, whether it's like something that the government put together, they're testing, or another government, uh, or alien life forms. But, mm-hmm. it, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you just said, you don't scramble the jets for meteor showers, right? Like, I'm sure that, that that's something that happens often enough. Right. Now, this part's kind of interesting because, as I mentioned, there were a lot of sightings in the months prior. But there were also a bunch of sightings in the days prior to the tune of someone, essentially an unknown scientist. So this is where I want to give this heavy caveat because I'm a little skeptical. But uh, an unknown scientist who studied all of these recorded sightings actually made a claim prior to the DC event saying that it seemed that there was a cadence, that these sightings were increasing with uh, frequency or whatever. And they said, quote, you're going to have the granddaddy of all UFO sightings. The sighting will occur in Washington or New York, probably Washington, end quote. So this guy is essentially saying there's a lot of sporadic sightings out there. It's only a matter of time before something goes down at one of our major cities that the world cannot ignore and this was actually recorded well, we in... We ignored it. <laughs> well, kind of. Uh, this was actually included in Ruppelt's memoir, the report on unidentified flying objects. So, I don't know. I don't want to call his credibility into question, but if it's a, an unknown source and we can't track that down and it is in somebody who is a firm believer in this right, sort of they're phenomenon... for any... And they're selling to... a book. It's a lot of things Damn. that make you start to go, was this... Was this fantasized or was this a real quote? That that's the thing, because like that's very interesting, and I could see that standing to reason. But also, at what point do you just kind of go? You know what? I saw it. No one believes me. Um, it's you know it's in the books now, mm-hmm. and you just go. You know what? What else am I gonna do? Maybe I'll make some money selling some books. Yeah. Right. Because you just given up. Right. And then you go. Yeah. Whatever. Project Blue Book was decommissioned. Right. You you've got all these at least interesting stories. 
Yeah. Why not? You know, I don't know. So we've talked now about how we kind of cynically approach some of the theories and how society kind of goes, uh, I don't know if that's just, you're just trying to calm us down. Then you also have the supposed scientist who came forward almost predicting without right. a timeline this event. But let's give some background, just broadly speaking, with regards to, again, uh, as we like to do, we like to get into the minds of the people at the time yep. experiencing this. So let's give you some background on the government up until this point. And to do that, we're actually going to start with the present. Roughly 50 years after Project Blue Book was discontinued, which would put you around 2019, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, along with multiple national security entities and branches of the armed forces, released an unclassified nine-page document where they collected details of reports from all over the country. Now, this is I'm talking about this now because it's still in the zeitgeist. We're still hearing about this. We talked about it at the top of the episode, in fact. Yep. But this document is littered with a colorful history of reports and sightings, and so that's what I want to dive into. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, stole our name, uh, said they, quote, focused on reports that involved UAP largely witnessed firsthand by military aviators and that were collected from systems we considered to be reliable. So they Ooh, immediately honed in. That. Yeah, they honed in on a subset. The government's UFO report states that possible explanations of UAP can be broken down into five potentially explanatory categories, as they put them. Those categories are an airborne cluster, natural atmospheric phenomenon, USG or US industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, and other. Other is a very broad strokes category. Right. Miscellaneous. Um, yeah. I also do love the uh, the soft way with, with which they said foreign adversary systems yeah. rather than a full-on frontal attack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But the report also described that in 18 of the incidents studied, the UAPs showed especially unusual and puzzling movement patterns or flight characteristics. So they honed in on a subset and then they honed, honed in on like these particular ones. Right. With, quote, some UAP appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. End quote. Ooh, there it is. We hear about that all means the means of propulsion. Yep. That's all I was trying to allude to earlier. Yeah, I mean... Maybe my rant wasn't too far off about, like, we're just all okay with this. Yeah. I mean, I think... <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah, I, I think it's... Now that we have this information in present day, it's it helps cast a better understanding of where people's minds were at. Because this, if this is honing us in on a subset, the broad public didn't have that. They had... True. I mean, thousands. Let me just outline it. According to the U.S. Air Force fact sheet, a total of 12,618 sightings were reported in Project Blue Book between 1947 and 1969. So without the government honing in on these particular categories to kind of help the public understand, mm -hmm. they're just swimming in a sea of thousands of reportings and not knowing which way it goes. And so it, it stands to reason why people go, okay, this must just be some sort of governmental cover-up because that's the easy broad strokes answer yeah. yeah it's the answer all kind of um but despite there being over twelve thousand, seven hundred and one of these reports remain unidentified mm. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what raises society's suspicions of whether or not the government is hiding classified information, data, objects. I mean, they anything. are, just to what extent. To what extent is is very much the question. Yeah. It, it, it's basically this theory can be broken into, are they hiding information? Certainly. Are they hiding alien life? That's a good question. That's, yeah. Are they hiding proof of intelligent life elsewhere or advanced technologies? Loaded question. Because I do think that there are advanced technologies very much in use by the government, any government right now, that we just don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, completely. Um, just a, oh, I say that I'd like to take a stroll down that, like, warehouse. Mm -hmm. But that might break me. I think it'd be interesting. I mean, you just leave going, well, that's terrifying or that's right. cool. That exists. No one will believe me. Like we had, uh, this is my current ongoing theory that has me kind of like really intrigued. We have had radar invisibility for years prior to it being public knowledge and declassified, right? So who's to say even now that we're not experimenting with optical invisibility? That is to say, you look at something and you don't see it. I know that there's a lot of documentaries and scientific this and that's that explore like oh it's a cloak but it's imperfect it, you can definitely still see it like if that's what we're seeing like the consumer level is yep. kind of approaching exactly. that then you Behind gotta know those doors yeah. like the the later versions 2045 is my date I'm calling that. You're calling the one out of gonna, date? It's just a random date to give a similar time frame to the radar declassification stuff that they're going to then say time. at that point, <laughs> they're going to throw back about 15 years and be like, yeah, we had, we could be invisible at that time. Or they'll declassify some sort of like wars that have been going on, but in, in non-traditional ways. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. Info, biological. Oh my God. You know, all sorts of wild stuff that tinfoil like stuff un underworld oh my god you know? <laughs> vampires get declassified Woo! that's terrifying i don't know what i would feel about that i would not feel good i'd be please don't bite me i don't want to live forever it's a cursed life a half life <laughs> yeah sucking down on blood every Just, night yeah i guess i'd try and do animal blood <laughs> What was not, that Disney movie show where that, trying to kill that kid from Stuart Little's going oh, around yeah, it was a sucking one. on cows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then they got cow oh, vampires flying around. Uh, so anyway, that uh, I want to just admit, that's a very broad theory, but I think, you know, now that we've kind of modernized the information and then also looked back on the 50s and how the people were feeling then, it makes a whole lot of sense, but it is a loaded theory. So with that broad catch-all kind of theory out of the way. Let's talk about something very, very interesting because, again, referring back to Mothman, for lack of a better example, I think this last theory attempts to answer the question of, is this mass hysteria? So the last theory we're going to talk about is that a former UFO sighting primed people, primed society to think that what they were seeing were, in fact, UFOs, when, in fact, they could have been anything but... So let's talk about that. On June 24th, 1947, search and rescue pilot Kenneth Arnold reported nine, quote, saucer-like things flying like geese in a diagonal chain-like line. And he saw these near Mount Rainier in Washington state. Just for clarity, not Washington, D.C., but on the other side of the country in Washington state for our international task force. So it is worth mentioning Arnold's report was the first post-World War II UFO sighting. In fact, it's widely regarded to be what popularized 
the modern phenomenon of UFO sightings. Like this kicked it all off. Huh. Similar to the DC UFO incident, there were multiple similar sightings reported over the following weeks. And interestingly enough, Arnold's description of the objects is what led to the publicly coined term like, flying saucer. saucer. Yeah, uh, because the way he described it. Damn, that's cool. Yeah. So this sighting, as well as those reported in the 40 other states in the years leading up to 1952, could have been what influenced people's interpretations of the question mark in the sky. Could it have been UFOs? Certainly. Could have been what it was seen in 1947 been UFOs? Certainly. But equally likely, or perhaps in some people's minds, equally unlikely, could have been nothing. Could have just been a phenomenon. Yeah, it could have just been like, I don't know, light refracting. And, yeah. and then just like, boom, UFOs. Because, yeah, we're primed at that point. But I mean, I'm primed. If I see something crazy out of the, eye, uh, of the sky, UFO. What do you think we could spur to life? What sort of like... Oh, I don't even like know. Like an island of Dr. Moreau type like thing? Like someone had to sit there and either A, see an alien aircraft and be genuine about that, which is totally possible, or B, someone had the world's most creative mind and said, I don't write, I'm not making a book, I'm just going to tell someone about this. I'm just going to tell them I saw an alien come down. What? Oh, what could we make what up? What totally brand new thing do you think you could light the world afire with? I think it'd be something biological. Yeah. Yeah. Something that you utter the words and it never leaves the zeitgeist. Damn. You know? That's an impossible question, really. Ooh. It's a scary question. It's a scary, <laughs> question. That's a scary question. Imagine that that power. Yeah, I think it'd have to be something biological. In the sense of like some type of contaminant. Micro aliens. Mine's gonna be derivative. Aliens smaller than ourselves. That we're screwed. It's actually one of the theories of the origin of life is that cells just kind of ate other life forms, but then became, uh, you know, they, they became friends <laughs> in, in biological terms. And then you, and then that's how you ended up with multiple cells in one living entity. And then you have multicellular organisms, which then right. extrapolate through evolution into what we are now as humans, which is then to say, our heart was once an external organism, if you go back long enough. And our stomach was something else. And our liver was something else. What planets like What planets did my intestines come from? That's crazy. <laughs> that's so wild to think. I, I'm losing it here at the end. Your uh, eyes but, were so wide as you were describing yeah. all of that. Oh, that's... Uh, listen, I, I had to hold myself back from just spewing madness about, you know, it's, a, it's too off-topic. I have to hold myself back. But the 1947, you know, kind of incident or sighting is very interesting to know that there is kind of a modern origin to these cool. UAPs and stuff. I still I still think it's real. Yeah? You think they're like coming by like Earth as a zoo and they're just kind of like poking their little heads in? Yeah, I think they're just like exploring. Yeah? Hopefully they're not like testing the waters and trying to understand our weaknesses and our faults and they go mm, this is livable for us oh. let's get these pesky humans out of the way i don't think there'd be anything we can do oh god no if there was we just randomly stumble across it'd be like signs like oh my god i spilled water what they like that didn't make sense though because it's like a, our planet is mostly water but like something in a sense of like oh my god if i are you talking about signs if I play this, what? Are you talking about signs with the water and the spilling? Yeah. Okay, uh, did you say signs? Yeah. Okay, thank God. <laughs> <That was> I just... 
I just heard you say something about aliens. Oh mine is just lost. Well, you right just now. said something about <laughs> spilling water, do? and then our planet's mostly water. And I was like, "Yes, what are you going?" <laughs> Sentence before that was he referenced size. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, I was trying to bait you on that, that one. Was so that was a self bait. My mind was wandering. Oh, it was aliens coming oh, down. Oh, it was. Yeah, no, we would we would definitely be screwed because I was what I the reason why I missed what you said was I was thinking about the Voyager spacecrafts that are now just like way out in space. We've essentially gone as far as throwing a calculator way far away from our house. They've whoever they are have traveled very far in ships that essentially break physics. But back to your signs. No, I just I just feel like if I don't feel like we're there from a technological standpoint or are advanced enough to fend off any type of life form that has the capability of right. traversing space and time. I feel like if they're if they show up here, they've they have advanced travel, mm-hmm. they're gonna have advanced weaponry. There's gonna be nothing we can do. And if we did find something, it's because we accidentally stumbled across it, like signs. Do you think the world would just immediately fire upon this thing? And just, like, burn every effort to come to a harmonious end. I mean, even if annihilation is guaranteed, you might as well try to break peace because you're not going to put a dent in whatever effort, interstellar efforts I feel like it's, it's the government's going to react like what you see in the movies. I think they're just going to... I'll be gonna, like, hey, they don't speak for me. They're just going to... I'm waving my hands in the air. everything that they've got at it. Yeah, I just, and then I'm, I'm out there while the missiles fly up going... With a giant <laughs> sign with a circle on it. Yep. And I'm like, <laughs> and then, not me. Right. Those are not my not missiles. Not me. And they're just like, weird. This this human just keeps showing us this sign that says, bring it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I put a slash through it. And he goes, now he's like, well, now it says, really bring it. I don't know, I don't know what Bring it on. I just I draw a little alien. Right. And then I draw a little me. But I'm like, but how do I convey love? <laughs> Maybe I would just be licking them a little bit. Maybe oh. that's what, what else you can't use words, Christian. That's what I'm saying. True. The starfish maneuver. <laughs> oh. And then cut to a wide of Fredo in a field starfish as the entire planet implodes. <laughs> as the whole planet shrinks into its uh, core. Yeah, we'd be absolutely doomed. Oh yeah. I mean, we would be at the mercy of whatever they'd want to do. I would hold out a handful of minerals. Some dirt, a rock, a stick. I'd be like, look, <laughs> I have the things you seek. Offerings. Yes. Yeah. You come for our planetary goods. What might be a stick to us is... What if you're the good? An, an alien object to them. I'd hop on the ship. I'd take one for the team. Damn. That is... I say, probe me up. Really <laughs> taking one for a team. If I can't make the history books here, I'll make them somewhere. And when they start... Peeling your skin back. <laughs> right about this. My name. Uh, Glorplorp. <laughs> Glorplorp. I got a, a red web. A red web. Oh, yeah. His name was, and then they just articulate just my screams. Take, yeah. <laughs> just take me. Okay. Like, okay. Just, just end me. Here's the thing. These alien episodes, Christian, you got to know better. You leave us unsupervised for a couple weeks. We go off the deep end with some alien episodes. Yeah, the vibe has changed. It's changed a little bit. Um, But no, this this is a really, really interesting set of events because most traditional UFO sightings happen like, you know, like Roswell. They happen. They're like a small minor thing um, that are kind of a flash in the pan. It's very rare 
that you have such a broadly talked about and and with so many different witnesses event uh, like this one. So it was really interesting to kind of explore this one. Uh, and if you have theories, task force that maybe we didn't cover, you can always email us at redweb at roosterteeth.com or tweet us with those theories. How are you going to survive the incoming alien incursion? Right. What's your symbol? How are you well, talking What's to your them? way of contacting Right. Them? What's your method? What's step one? I'm telling you, man. Starfish. Very simple. I love Easy. That. You can use it any way, shape, or form. Just starfish it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we... We just scratched the surface on a lot of different mysteries, um, theories, all that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, I've learned too much. Mm. I think that's like if you if someone was to be like, "That's it, that's the that's all the knowledge there is." That's the last episode of Red Web. What did you learn? And I'm like, I learned too much. <laughs> There's too many un, like <laughs> unexplained things. The world's terrifying, and everyone's just cool with it. Apparently. Seems like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Task Force, the only ones out here trying to, to solve it all. That's what I'm saying. But with that said, that is our mystery for this week. Fredo, I will see you next Monday for another mystery.